Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, that managing editor, FightfulMMA.com. It is March 19th, 2019. If you're seeing this anywhere else, head over to YouTube.com slash FightfulMMABoxing or just go over to FightfulMMA.com. We are on podcast platforms everywhere. iHeart, Spotify, iTunes, all over the place. Of course, you can download it as well. We have a familiar face finally back. From his trek across like three or four countries, it, it was insane. James Lynch is back. Happy to be back, guys. I was just telling Sean, this is the first Tuesday I, in the last three weeks I haven't been on a plane, so good to be back. And uh, no, I did not leave the show. I know there were some rumors. Everything's good. We're, we're, you know, we're still a three-man unit. We are also joined by one Showdown Joe. Joe, how's it going? Doing pretty good, gentlemen. James, welcome back. Thank you for having me, and congrats, Joe, on your, uh, your new gig. I haven't had a chance to congratulate you in person or digitally in this case. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Now, we got a lot going on right now, but I don't know how much this first story even applies to you guys. I don't know how closely you guys have followed it, but I did do a live video update on it yesterday. Quite frankly, big deal. ESPN Plus, moving forward, will be the sole United States pay-per-view distributor for the UFC. This means no DirecTV, no UFC.TV even. It's just ESPN+. Now, Dana White in a very peculiar video. Don't know if you guys saw it. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, Talked about the positives and the negatives of it. But, man, I see this. For me, it changes nothing. I can order pay-per-views however I order it. I've got an ESPN Plus subscription. Not a big deal. For a lot of other people, guys, this is going to change a lot of things. Maybe maybe they don't have ESPN+. Plus. Maybe they don't want a paywall behind a paywall because you have to subscribe to ESPN+, Plus to then buy the pay-per-view. Uh, bar business apparently will go untouched, but um, like the, the, there's a different distributor for that. But James, your first impressions on hearing this. Dana White tried to say, well, it gives us the chance to bundle that we didn't have before. It gives us the chance to do discounts. There's a lot of facets to this story. Well, from my perspective, and I'm sure Joe will agree here, it really doesn't impact us at all because everything's on TSN for us. So we don't have to worry about that. But I, I mean, it just basically seems like, I mean, that, that his way of spinning it is just a nice way of saying, if you didn't watch ESPN Plus before, now you pretty much have to. So I think this is just forcing people to get ESPN Plus. Um, you know, I don't know what else comes on that app uh, as far as the, the app goes. So I don't know if it's actually, you know, worth the amount. But um, I think it's just their way of just, you know, putting more of a stranglehold on that partnership with ESPN and just, you know, really, 
you know, shoving down their throat that we're with ESPN, you know, you have to go through us. So that's sort of what I took away from it. There was a lot of uh, misinformation out there on social media yesterday. People saying like, oh, bars can't show the pay-per-view and stuff. Like, I'm glad you brought that up because I read the story. That's the way I took it. But then there's all these people freaking out on social media. So, um, you know, obviously for some, it's, it's disappointing in the sense that if you didn't watch or didn't have an ESPN plus account, it would, it would be tough. Um, I don't know how this impacts, you know, everyone else like outside of the U S like, I, I believe for us where everything's just normal, but we'll see. I mean, hopefully there's no hiccups. So there's quite a bit to unpack here, Joe Dana white in the aforementioned odd interview that I mentioned about <laughs> Megan O'Leary did bring up some good points. This extends the ESPN deal, a very good ESPN deal for UFC, where we looked at things, Joe, and said, man, they're getting paid more for fight nights than pay-per-views. Well, not anymore. Now ESPN presumably will be a part of this revenue share for pay-per-view. That's real good for them. And Dana White said that they kicked the tires, looked under the hood, liked what they saw. The numbers have been real good. That's been a recurring theme that we've talked about, Joe. Uh, This gives them more money. It gives them more time on the deal seems like they're really really enjoying this partnership yeah well it's so extensive by two years right so it brings it from five to seven uh and i don't think dana uh, or ari would do anything that would not bring extra profit to the ufc so even if they split the figures or split the numbers i guess it's the distribution uh that espn or espn plus would have which would benefit the ufc uh not short term but at least in the long term so like james said uh you're and relate like you said you know behind a paywall, right? You're paying to pay for something, right? So uh, it remains to be seen. Like James said here, the content, pay-per-view content here is a little different than it is down in the States. Now, uh, as as irony would have it, James, it's actually Sportsnet that oversees the pay-per-view content uh, that gets distributed because it's a Rogers entity sort of thing. Oh, but, there you go. I didn't know Yeah, that. but the actual content for non-pay-per-view is TSN. So it's still such a weird dichotomy of a relationship but here in canada it likely will not affect us i'm glad though you guys did clarify the bar situation because how many people do you know end up going to a bar to watch a ufc event right so as long as that hasn't been untouched and it's not going to make it difficult for various bar owners to to showcase the events because let's face it there are certain bars out there that if they don't have a local team will look at an event like the ufc the ufc and say you know what this is a big money maker for us this Saturday. Let's try and pack it. Let's try and and, and promote it like crazy that we're showing the fight. So uh, I'm glad the bar owners, you know, south of the, bar owners south of the border can still uh, showcase the events. Man, uh, there's so much going on with this situation. UFC pay per view is down, sure, but they've had issues with Direct TV. They almost didn't air UFC 235 on yeah. Direct TV. It came down to the last minute. From a UFC ESPN perspective. I kind of understand all this. It is such a unique flowing situation because ESPN paid a lot of money for the UFC, probably more than they should have. That's me not knowing ad rates, not knowing anything, just knowing based on the numbers that they get, the little bit I know about what what the ad money could possibly be and the numbers they're getting still seems a lot. Because, I mean, we, we had mentioned they're going to make near the same for pay-per-view as they do uh, fight night cards. That's not really the case anymore. Now you're in a rev split with your broadcast partner too, not just a pay-per-view distributor. Your broadcast partner is your pay-per-view distributor. Uh, ESPN's got to be pretty happy about that. I don't know about what, what else went on that deal, but this extends that ESPN deal by two years. And thus far, I can tell you from a viewing perspective, really enjoying the ESPN era. The pace is really good. 
Another thing that Dana White brought up, uh, James, they have the opportunity to provide discounts on pay-per-views that they didn't have before. This is a very real thing. Whether or not they implement it is a whole other story, but now they don't have to go to DirecTV and Dish and get all these people to agree. Uh, a nice reminder is Fight. They tried to offer the Golden Boy MMA pay-per-view at a huge discount for the Liddell Ortiz thing. They ended up not being able to do it because I believe it was DirecTV or maybe it was Golden Boy. Somebody said, no, 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 we're not doing that. You can't do that. Uh, how do you think all these factors will, will play in, James? Until we actually see it implemented, I, I'm not going to buy into it yet because usually it's the opposite. Usually, you know, the, it's the audience who ends up getting screwed out of, uh, you know, like a good deal. Like in, in theory, that would make the most sense, like to get discounts. If you like I've always said this, if you're someone who's going to buy all the pay-per-views, why not give like a yearly rate of how much like, you know, give them like like you do with Fight Pass, where like if you pay for the year, it's cheaper than buying, you know, month to month. I would um, love I a media. I would love a media rate for the love of God. Help. Exactly. Out. Well, we yeah. used to get them for free. So, yeah. That's yeah. true, actually. Yeah, no, I do remember that. Um, so, I mean, you know, things like that would make sense, but it's whether they actually implement it. Like, I mean, knowing the UFC, I mean, I wish I was a little bit more optimistic, but I just, I, I don't see it happening. I think that it's still going to be the same thing and Dana will spin it however he wants to spin it. But I think we're still going to end up paying a lot for these pay-per-views because they just want to, I mean, you know, to me, pay-per-view right now is still too high. Like even in boxing is too high, like to pay as much as, you know, 80 bucks American, I think in some cases for certain boxing pay-per-views in the UFC, like right now, if you're looking at UFC 237 and no offense to Rose Namajunas and Jessica Andrade, but that's not a, you know, $70 US pay-per-view in my opinion, like they've got to figure something out for cards like that. And, you know, I think in general, just if you, if you are someone that subscribes the ESPN plus and you do all these other things, there should be some reward for that. But we just haven't seen evidence of that in the past. So I'm not going to be optimistic at this point. Well, lucky for you, it's a $59.99 US pay-per-view, James. That's a part of the the new deal. It, it knocks down about $5 off of the but American isn't, But hold price. on, isn't that, isn't, isn't that only if you had already been uh, signed up for ESPN Plus? If you sign up now, it's still 79, is it not? I thought that was the- No, the, no, the, I, I, no? I, I believe it's a standard $59.99, but there is a discount if you're a new subscriber. Uh, uh, okay. Man, it's it's a mess, man. It's a mess in a good way and a, and a confusing way, but people will get used to it, I think. I do think that they should simplify it a little bit. You should not have to be an ESPN Plus subscriber. Am I? Yes. Would I be otherwise? Yeah, probably. I really enjoy the service. I think it's good. I like the content on there. Watch NBA documentaries all the time on there. Like it, It's a good service. And this is one of the prime products on that surface. Uh, but in that same interview, it was so odd. Did you? Did either one of you get a chance to watch the Dana White interview? I did not have a chance, no. Wait, which, were you talking to Megan Olivia one? Because there was yes. two. We did one with uh, John Morgan as well. I, I I saw like little bits of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. Though. John Morgan, who is all over UFC's digital properties now, by the way. that That's an interesting thing in its own that we could discuss at some point. But we're, we're not here to talk the ethics of journalism. <laughs> Megan Olevy had like all these headlines and painted the UFC out to be these wild underdogs. It was like, oh, the reasons that the UFC are failing. And it was just an end to get Dana White to say, man, the media, they're a bunch of dummies. They don't know what they're talking about. They're stupid. I'm like, my God, man. Like, I, I get it, given the landscape politically where we are and who his buddy is. Like, why he probably says that type of thing. But man. It seems real weird, Joe, this contentious relationship 
Dana White always has with media. Why? I, I understand he's probably defensive over a lot of the things that he sees. People say bad stuff about me, I get defensive. People say, people take stuff from one of our writers, I get defensive. So he's got that coming times about a million. But he he responds in such an odd way to take time out of an interview where you're announcing something so positively to just be like, hey, dummies, I showed you. Like, when did you notice this starting with Dana White? Oh, day one. Day one. From day one, he's been like that. He used to rip apart the media all the time. And I used to feel bad because, you know, as being a, a broadcast partner of the UFC, uh, I took my role very, very carefully because, you know, there, there's a certain fine line when dealing with the UFC. The only reason why I was doing what I was doing at Sportsnet was because of my, my connections and my network with the UFC. So I had to respect the fact that, you know, Dana White is who he is, but I work for Sportsnet, but I work for Sportsnet because of my relationship with the UFC. So there was always a fine line. I never had a problem challenging Dana uh, on certain topics. And there were times, and I, you know, there, there's stuff that I'd probably never repeat uh, on the air, but there were times when, you know, him, him and I went at it, they, just flat out over the phone. Uh, I, I completely disagreed with him. Dave Schaller got involved before. Um, you know, Dana flies off the handle. He always will. He's, he's, he's an emotional guy who wears his heart on his sleeve. Uh, most of the time, I, I'll agree with what he's saying. Other times, I was like, well, what if you look at it this way? And he would lose his mind. It's like, dude, I'm not trying to piss you off. I'm just trying to have you think about what everyone else is thinking and what is your positioning. I'm not trying to piss you off. I'm just trying to put something on the air here. So he, he would do that. And there's a lot of really good media peeps out there that are genuine. Uh, full of integrity and just want to get the story out there that don't even have opinions, Sean and James. They just want, here's the question. What's your statement? This is what I'm going to run with. No, no, no personal agenda. Uh, it is what it is. Then you have the other ones out there that never get to see Dana that'll do nothing but rip them apart. And then when that story comes across his desk, that's when he gets overly defensive. And then you get the ones that would rock the boat. And the minute you rock the boat with them once, you know, you're probably going to be in trouble. I mean, just look at Ariel how many times he's been in trouble, right? It's just Ariel gets a scoop and it didn't come from the UFC. It came from a legitimate manager, fighter, whatever. He runs with it. Well, it's going to piss Dana White off. So that's that's just that how, how he operates. Well, let's talk about that aspect of things because, hey, we, we've got some time to talk about the, the media aspect of this. Ariel Hawani now with ESPN. I don't think it's a coincidence, James, that since that happened, Brett Okamoto has been getting most of the scoops. I mean, it seems like every day Brett Okamoto has one. Ariel still incredibly, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Valuable as a podcast personality, as uh, as an analyst. Like he's, I mean, good God, you could probably get your return on Ariel Hawani with that alone. With the UFC. <laughs> almost co-opting. I don't want to say, I mean, it is, it, you got Braille Komodo in the cage, very respectable journalist, Errol Hawani, respectable journalist, but they have arguably two of the biggest right there on ESPN. Now, what do you think that does to, to the media that Dana White doesn't necessarily think too fondly of? Oh, by the way, as I mentioned, John Morgan of MMA junkie, the other, you two of the, you've got two of the biggest entities now, in UFC's pocket, in a way. 
Yeah, I mean, there there is some gray area there, obviously. And I, I was a little, it seemed a little weird when you see Brett Okamoto in the cage. And, you know, he's this journalist, but then he's also, you know, on a pay-per-view talking about, you know, the upcoming fights and stuff like, he, like he's there for the UFC. Uh, you know, I, I cut Brett some slack just because, you know, he's been there. He's been at ESPN long before this deal was ever done. Um, with Ariel, it's interesting. Now, I don't know if Ariel is not breaking as much news because Dana's choosing to do that. Or that's ESPN being like, look, focus on your interviews, get big guests. We'll let Brett do most of the breaking sure. stuff because Ariel, if you look at sort of the workload, I think Ariel does, you know, a lot with his show every Monday. So, um, you know, and, and, his, and, and his stuff with Chell on Thursday. So he's he's doing a lot, whereas Brett, I think, has a little bit more, uh, you know, sort of resources and time to, to go and break more news and everything like that. But, um, you know, th- this is what happens. I mean, Joe knows as someone who's with Sportsnet and, you know, your broadcast partner, like there's always that gray area. Like maybe the US, like. Who knows what they're being told at ESPN, what they're allowed to cover, what they can't. You know, I was surprised, I'll be honest, to see uh, Brett Okamoto at Bellator because, you know, you're a broadcast partner of the UFC. I could see the UFC being kind of, you know, frowning at that. I know that they're, you know, trying to be like a leader in MMA, but, um, you know, I can imagine the UFC wasn't like thrilled about that. Um, So, I mean, there's things like that that you're seeing, I think, where, you know, yes, ESPN is an outlet, but they're a broadcast partner. And now even more so with with the news yesterday. So I think it's uh, it's always going to be a gray area no matter what. And, you know, I think it's as long as they're covering everything and they're, you know, doing, you know, how they can do it, then I think we can't criticize them too much. But certainly if there are conflicts of interest, we need to point them out. There is no widespread, like, conspiracy against the UFC. Mother of God. Uh, so many of these people, I mean, there are things that Dana White is steadfast on that media is worth talking about. Fighter pay, divisions that, that could help the health of fighters, uh, weight cutting in general. Those are the types of things that he's going to experience. And Joe, he's going to experience those for another seven years because as he announced in that same interview, he and Ari Emanuel have signed seven-year deals. And he talked about Ari Emanuel's uh, fundraising expertise and all that. Despite you know that contentious relationship with media, I think it's a good move to keep Dana White around for seven years. He clearly knows what he's doing. Yeah, well, I'm 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 not going to lie to you. I'm surprised. I'm actually surprised he's sticking around. I, I didn't think he was going to stick around much longer. Uh, there were specific goals uh, back in the day that they wanted to do: sanction and regulate. Every single U.S. state, so sanction and regulate mixed martial arts in every single state. Once that was done, they got New York. New York was the final one, I believe. And then the ultimate goal was to get onto ESPN. And once they get onto ESPN, uh, they would figure things out. Before that even happened, uh, the Fertitas sold the UFC. They got New York, boom, sold it. They got they, That was, I guess, their goal. Uh, would Dana want to continue, continue doing what he's doing, uh, get it onto ESPN? Well, he gets it onto ESPN and then signs for another seven years. So I'm... I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm absolutely surprised. I'm shocked. I thought he's, you know, that that was the final stamp, and he's gone. He's gonna walk away and and you know go into the sunset and do this. But you know, he, he he'll always say how much he loves fighting and how much he loves the sport and how much he still has more plans and other things and blah blah. blah. And I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if if money is the motivation, guys, because he's got plenty of money. So. Don't know what it is, but good for him. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Hey, when when something's your passion, it's your passion. I can tell you if a billion dollars fell in my lap this week, next week I'd probably be right back writing wrestling stories or <laughs> talking shit about MMA to you guys. I mean, that's just – it's it's uh, if it's something that you love, it's something that you love. And uh, we had a ESPN card this past week in London. Boy, did Masvidal make an impression. Now, this was, by all intents and purposes – a lightweight facing a middleweight <laughs> in the cage in Mazda versus Teal, uh, James. But 
I, I said this on the post show. If I am an opponent of Teal, I know that I can take him to the scorecards now. I know that I can wrestle and submit him, even if I'm smaller than him. And I know that even if I'm smaller than him, I can knock him out. This was a knockout of the year contender, like already in March and a phenomenal when it was. Uh, what did you think of this? I had a lot of people saying, Masvidal title shot. And I'm thinking, no, he lost two in a row. What are, what yeah. are you thinking? And then people say, oh, who cares? Well, I care. But what did you think of the performance? Amazing performance. I mean, the, the best part about this is that Masvidal beat Till at his own game. I mean, he could have taken this to the ground and had a clear edge there, but he was able to finish him on the feet and knock out Darren Till, which he's never seen. So that uh, in itself was impressive and doing it in the UK in London. Uh, just, you know, what, what, a you know, biggest win of uh, Jorge Masvidal's career for sure. I mean, this, this was, this was huge. And now the UFC has got to be careful with Darren Till. Like, what do you do with him now? He's lost two in a row. Um, I think he's got to go to middleweight now. I would be willing to bet that that knockout part of that was due to the weight cut. Um, you know, cause he did, he's a big guy. And like you said, middleweight fighting a lightweight and from hospital, um, you know, I have a video up on fightful and, and I talked about it. I think they got to do this Askren fight. You know, people are adamant. I, I've had so many people come after me over the last like, couple of days about Robbie Lawler rematching Askren. I think that from a promoter standpoint is a wasted opportunity. You're not going to get a buildup to that fight. You have been gifted this self-promoter in Ben Askren, and you have a guy in George Masvidal who, you know, will, you know, fight you at any time. We saw that with Leon Edwards, and I know that might be the fight that the UFC might be thinking of now with what happened backstage. But um, I think you need to give uh, both these guys, you know, a fight that's going to sell well. And I think that those are your two guys right there. Masvidal can talk crap. He can, he can back up everything he's done. We know he can knock guys out. We can know he can submit them. And you've got a guy in Askren who's still in the headlines. He, you know, he was in London this weekend. Um, so I, I, think, I think there's a lot of uh, good options there. But I think overall this was uh, just, you know, you know, huge for George Masvidal and Jorge Masvidal. And, and I think that, um, you know, this really just adds another contender to that mix. But I'm with you. No title shot. He lost two straight fights heading into this one. Uh, you know, wins and losses have to count for something. And it's not like they were close decisions. He got outpointed decisively in those fights. Um, I know Ali Abdelaziz has thrown that name out there. Stop with Whoa. that nonsense. Yeah, let, let's do Usman and Colby and, and do Askren and Masvidal. That, that would be my choice. Sometimes they just make it easy, guys. Leon Edwards went uh, yelled at Masvidal after Leon Edwards went over Gunnar Nelson. They scrapped backstage. Do the fight. Do the fight. Also, do the fight. Ben Askren, Robbie Lawler, too. There's no reason to not go ahead and do that. Colby Covington, Kamaru Usman, you've got three fights there. Throw them on the same card. Love of God. Joe, what do you think of this and the entire welterweight situation that has unfolded? Dude, you just nailed it. Like, you you literally just nailed what I would like to say or like to see happen. Kamara wants a piece of Colby Covington like you have no idea. Like, he wants to destroy this guy. You saw the interview. We have the uh, the clip or we have the the, the, the text up on Fightful.com, Fightful MMA, uh, what he said, how, you know, he's going to take, uh, I don't know the exact quote, but, you know, every every immigrant's hatred for a guy like Colby Covington to make him pay, right? So it's it's one of those things. I want to see that fight there. Um, the, the the Askren-Lawler rematch, I have no problem with it. Get her done. Let's see it. And, you know, Leon Edwards and, and Jorge Masvidal just sold it, right? They did what they had to do. Easy promotional stuff for the UFC with those guys. And if you throw them all on the same card, you're going to get some definitions or you're going to get some answers to some questions as to who should be next for the winner of that main event. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I would love to see it. That's how I, I've always said it for years and years and years. I would like to see the UFC put on events where they are two division heavy, right? Two, showcase two divisions per event. And that way you get some answers to some questions as to who should be next uh, for, for winners and losers. So 
James, this seems like a no-brainer, but as we've learned, it doesn't always work out like that. Ben Askren thinks that he has no reason to fight Robbie Lawler again. Uh, Kobe Covington, Kamaru Usman, they can't get on the same page. Dana White, after the fight, said this should never happen, and I think in a text to Brett Okamoto, but they've also used stuff like this to promote fights. What do you think they'll end up actually doing? They're going to do Masvidal and Edwards without a doubt. I mean, of course, like, look, like they use the Dolly footage with McGregor when he fought Habib. I mean, of course they're going to use this footage. Like they'd be, they'd be stupid not to. Um, yeah. Now the question is where would a potential fight like this take place? Uh, you know, you saw Masvidal in the wheelchair, you know, when is he going to return? Um, one interesting thing that I don't think a lot of people have been talking about international fight week this year is only going to have one event. Um, so, you know, they really have to stack the deck with that if they expect people to, you know, come out here and make it like a week long thing. So, um, I think that, uh, I think, you know, maybe you save that for an international fight week and, you know, we talked about Colby and Usman, maybe you put that fight on there too. I think they really need to beat that up. And then on top of that, you've got Chicago that does have Valentina and Jessica. I, but you know, is that a pay-per-view headliner? They might need to get another fight in there as well. So there's a lot of options, a lot of matchmaking that have figured out. And by the way, I do agree with Joe. I think you do need to do cards where it's like a mini tournament. And that way, not just for, you know, to showcase that division, but also if there's a fight that falls out, at least you can, you know, it's easy shuffling of chairs. So, uh, you know, fans are getting their money's worth. Also, that it's funny you mentioned that the reduced schedule in that degree. It was announced in that same press release from ESPN Plus and UFC, 12 pay-per-view events a year. Prior, they had at least tried to do 13. I think that's a smart move as well. Uh, I, you know, I joked about the schedule through like June. It's, it's just havoc, but these shows are starting earlier. They're going faster. I mean, we're not seeing shows in Kansas city that start at 10 PM Eastern or Brazil, where quite frankly, locally there it's at midnight. They're like, Hey, we'll, we'll put it on at a time that's best for the market. I think that's a smart idea. Now I can tell you that. On Fightful, the London show didn't get great engagement because of the afternoon, but people are going to watch this show regardless. Um, They watched Dom Reyes and Volkan Ozdemir, and by God, Joe, I should have been three for three on my I Got Five on It picks. Alas, I was two for three. Dom Reyes wins, kind of. Most media, most fans had it for Ozdemir. Dom Reyes, five and oh, had the balls after that performance <laughs> to call out John Jones. <laughs> Just the absolute set on that guy to call out John Jones. I did not agree with, but what'd you think of the decision? Incorrect decision. Yeah, absolutely. Incorrect decision. Uh, well, I shouldn't say absolute because I could understand <laughs> if, if you're pro Dominic Reyes, how he, how he wins that fight. But if you're judging it based on the unified rules of MMA, you start looking at what, how a fight is scored. Uh, I, I, I gave it to Volkan Uzumir. Very thin, very thin. I don't think it was a dominant performance by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but in my opinion, Volkan uh, won at least two of those three rounds. You can make the argument he actually won three uh, of the three rounds. But what are you going to do, boys? I mean, I think Volkan got screwed here, in my opinion. Uh, and Dominic should respect the fact that, dude, you technically lost that fight. And if you think you won, you didn't win by much. You're not calling all John Jones just yet. James, any thoughts on this? Yes, I completely disagree with both of you. I, <laughs> Damn! Donald, listen, go watch that fight. Listen, when, when that fight first happened, I did score it for Volcan. I had him up two rounds to one. When I, when I, when I watched it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's not a good decision. After, after the fight, I noticed a lot of people on Twitter talking about the commentary, and I was like, okay, you know what? Benefit of the doubt. I'll watch this again without the commentary. Reyes won that fight. 
I'm telling you, the commentary, I didn't realize it at the time. It was one of those things where my son was there. I was watching it. I was, you know, I was, I was certainly like, I wasn't like near my computer, but I was on, I was watching it on TV and the commentary was biased. Now that I actually went back and watched it a second time, I think Reyes, what it comes down to, in my opinion, is the second round. I think that, um, that could have gone either way. Um, I don't have an issue with people saying Volcan won the second, but, um, I, I think that, you know, in the broadcast, they made it sound like Dom wasn't doing anything, but if you watch, he was, he was landing a lot. And I think that that's something that for some reason they glanced over in the broadcast, um, I think Dom won. And to your other point about him calling out John Jones, yeah, we laugh about it. But here's the thing. If he said nothing, then people would criticize him for not doing anything. So you shoot your shot. Yeah, his his shot was an air ball. Absolutely. But, you know, you still you still got to shoot your shot here. Not a great performance. Uh, it seems like Corey Anderson and him won a, won a tango in uh, in July. Do that fight. Corey not getting a title shot. Um, which, I mean, that's a whole thing we can talk about in itself where, you know, you go to a decision, you're not getting a title shot. Um, so I think that that's, that's probably what's next, but yeah, disappointing performance, I think from both guys, but Volkan Ozdemir, what do you do with him now? He's lost three in a row. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to jump up to heavyweight. I actually watched it on mute. I usually do watch UFC fights on mute. I'm usually doing some work, but uh, it wasn't a robbery in any stretch of the imagination, but Still, I, I thought that, that Ozdemir had it, but it is a it is a controversial decision. Elsewhere on the show, Nathaniel Wood picked up a big win. Claudio Silva, a controversial win. That's one I want to go back and revisit. But also, you had Mark Casey, emotional victory. One of my I got five on it picks, as uh, was Safarov, who just lied, cheated, and stole his way to win. One of my I got five on it picks. We also had Molly McCann just, oh, filthy, yeah. that that eye. Mike Grundy uh, coming back and beating uh, Neramani. That was very, very cool. Arnold Allen continuing that win streak. Danny Gay gets a win as well. Jack Marshman, controversial win uh, a, a bit there. But, Joe, the one I want to talk about, Claudio Silva, Danny Roberts. There's this arm bar, and a lot of people weren't happy about it. Roberts grunted. You couldn't hear on the broadcast if he screamed. I, I was quick to say any fighters meeting I've ever been a part of, the referee will say, if you scream, you tap out. However, maybe not a scream here. What did you see? All right. First things first, I want to make a quick uh, um, comment regarding the commentary and listening to fights with commentary. The more you end up, I don't know if it's a mature thing or the more you understand uh, that commentators are humans the more you will realize you will take everything with a grain of salt. And you're talking to somebody who does play-by-play. So I try and be as neutral as possible, despite having some promoter saying, hey, talk about this guy more or talk about this girl more. No, 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 no. This is how it's going to be done. And I try and keep it as neutral as possible because I have been privy to situations where I watch fights and I'm like, what in God's name are these commentators saying? That it's a bunch of BS. They shouldn't be talking about this fight in that manner. So... When you're watching anything, any sport in general, take all commentators. And I know I'm the pot calling the kettle black with a grain of salt. Now, Claudio Silva, Danny Roberts, and the referee stopping the fight. What did I see? I saw a guy in an armbar, a guy in a submission, uh, and a guy that didn't tap out have a fight stopped. I think Danny Roberts' post-fight interview exemplifies what fighters will do sometimes to fight. They're willing to die in there. Right. I'll go back on what Sean Ross Sapp just said about in fighters meetings ahead of time. And this is something that every referee should know. Uh, some fighters aren't going to tap. They're willing to have their arms snapped, their legs, ACL ripped apart. They're, they're going to get choked to sleep. 
if you yell, if you scream, if you grunting, no. But if you yell or scream during a submission, the referee's going to stop the fight. So it's tough to say because we I I didn't hear it on the broadcast. I didn't hear anything where Danny Roberts yelled or screamed or did or say anything that would cause the referee to go in there and stop the fight. But the referee was obviously much closer than any microphone uh, to pick up that type of verbal submission. In watching it, I disagree with the stoppage completely. Not being in the cage, not being able there to actually hear Danny Roberts or see. I mean, Claudio Silva said he tapped twice. I didn't even see it one tap, let alone two. So if I didn't hear anything, I'm not stopping that fight. It sucks. I'm on high alert. I want to stop this thing. If this guy's arm's about to snap, I got to pay attention. If I don't hear a yell, dude, you got to get out. You're getting out. You're still surviving. Maybe something's going on there. Dude, Carlos Newton used to be able to flex his arm. Like, this is as far as I can go, okay? Carlos Newton's arm would go down. Like, it was disgusting how flexible that elbow capsule was, right? So there's guys out there that have weird flexibility. So I feel horrible for Danny Roberts. But if he did yell and the referee heard it and the referee stopped it, the referee is correct. If he didn't and the referee just made that assumption, referee is incorrect. James? Well, what, what, uh, one of the things I should point out is that they, Dan Hardy, like during the broadcast, are like, we're going to hear the audio right now and, and get it in there. And then they just played like them, like doing commentary. Like you couldn't. Crazy. Like, we did that. Damn. I know. Like, like it was like, like you couldn't even, like, I guess they couldn't, I guess the, whoever was in the back didn't have time to just get the ambient audio together, but, uh, you, you couldn't hear it. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we don't know. No one knows. I mean, other than Claudio Silva and Danny Roberts and the ref, I mean, and you know, I think even people in the arena would be too loud to, to hear if he actually yelled or not. So it's unfortunate. Um, th- this to me was, uh, this was the fight of the night, in my opinion. I mean, there was, there were several times when it looked like this fight was going to end. Um, you know, props to both fighters. I, I think, uh, it's just unfortunate the way it had to end there. And, and you could see how emotional Roberts was like, we don't know. That's, that's the problem. But I think the UFC, like the production team screwed this one up in my opinion, because we never got the evidence. Had they had that ambient sound, we could really make a proper judgment on this. But right now we're just guessing. Production team has been quick to jump the gun on a lot of things lately. Uh, I mean, they always have the, Oh, he's hurt type of thing, but that, that seems to be happening a lot How more. You have called thousands of fights in your career and say it's over, it's over, he's done, he's done, she's done, she's done. Dude, you've seen it a thousand times, fighters come back. Stop saying that. I hate that. Sorry. <laughs> also this week, uh, well, any, anything else, James, on this show that stood out to you? To me, Mark Jacquese winning was a great feel-good moment considering his back was against the wall. And, and I mentioned on the post show, uh, before you came along, Jacquese was a guy I closely identified with Fightful MMA because – Joe, you and I were uh, within the first, I think, seven, eight months of Fightful. We covered three of his wins, and they were pretty impressive wins, too. The, the UFC 204 one, the, the big Timu Pakalan, the quick win, and then it just didn't work out for him after that. And this was his back against the wall. He had to win this. But, uh, James, what else stood out to you? Yeah, a couple of things. I'll just quickly go through this. I thought Mike, Mike Grundy looked good, uh, you know, yeah. uh, getting get the win there. That, that was a really impressive win. He was, a, I think he was the biggest underdog on this card and he was able to come back and get the victory. Uh, Molly McCann looked great. I mean, she's a big ticket seller in the UK. So that, that's really good for the UFC because they'll bring her back the next time they do a card in London. Dan Ige looked awesome. Uh, it, it's funny. You don't know which Dan Ige you're going to get. You know, he <laughs> loses his debut. 
He gets an impressive Mortal Kombat finish. Then he has a lackluster fight against Griffin, and now he gets another impressive win here. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see who he fights next. I'm curious to see who the real Dan Ige is, like that Eminem song. Um, and then, uh, you know, Diakese, yeah, great to see him get back. I noticed he didn't do any really uh, much media. I even tried to reach out to him, didn't get anything back from him. So I think he's kind of just been like doing like the Rocky thing, and, and it's working. I mean, he got a really dominant win. But guys, Joe Duffy. I know he had the layoff, but I mean, two and three in his last five fights is two wins in the UFC. His last two wins are against guys that aren't even in the UFC anymore. And Reza Madati and Mitch Clark, where do you go from here with him? This was the guy who beat Conor McGregor and now you can't sell anything with him at this point. So that's disappointing. I don't know what is next for him. Um, And quickly, I wanted to mention this just because we didn't talk about the fight. I thought if there was a robbery on UFC London, it was the John Phillips and Jack Marshman fight. I thought John Phillips clearly won this fight. And, um, you know, to me, uh, it's unfortunate because he might get cut here. Um, you know, he's lost a couple fights now. I thought he did more than enough. And I picked Jack Marshman pre-fight. Um, so I was surprised to see, uh, you know, the, that uh, the judges went the other way on that one. So, yeah, that, that's sort of my thoughts on the rest of the card. Joe? I'm just looking for the mute button for whenever James speaks. I want to hit the mute button sometimes. Is there an available <laughs> one here? No. Uh, rude. No, James knows me well enough. James, I watched the fight again, the Marshman-Phillips fight, and I'm still thinking to myself, I don't know who won that fight because it was one of those things. I don't think John's going to get cut. I really don't. I think because he brings it, man. He brings it, and he's he's so much fun. Um, Jack was a bit lackluster in this fight only because you can't sit there and go toe-to-toe with John Phillips. You're going to swallow leather. Um, I, I, the first time I watched it, I gave it to Jack. Second time I watched it, I leaned towards John. And I'm like, I got to watch this a third time. I just I just enjoy Jack Marshman's fights. I know he's not the same guy that made his UFC debut uh, way back when. I, I I enjoyed the fight. I still think it's it could go either way. I don't know if it was a robbery, but uh, I don't think they're going to cut John Phillips. I really don't. I think I think they'll, they'll give him at least one more chance. Your your Dan Ige three comment, straight losses though. I mean, it's pretty yeah. rare you see a guy get a fourth fight. The only thing I think that might be a saving grace actually is the fact that he's an SPG guy, and usually they're a little. I mean, dude, how long did Artem Lobov stay on the roster? So yeah. I, you know, I think I think that might actually we might see one more, but still, it's very rare. Do you know if Dan is still managing some of the fighters, Ige? Oh yeah, he's still he's Ali's yeah. right hand man. He's still okay. yeah, he's, he's so, still yeah, involved so, in that. But I mean, when I call this Titan fight, just in general, talking to the guy, he's a good soul, man. He's a good soul, nice guy. But yeah. man, getting this win in, in a minute seventeen, I thought that was super impressive, man. He looked pretty good. And going back to the Mike Grundy comment, uh, Sean, uh, that was a damn good performance. Like he got rocked, man. He got hurt a couple times, and to be able to come back the way he did, I'm keeping an eye on this 145er just to pay attention to see what else he's doing. Because that, I mean, I know he's a, was a Commonwealth champ, rest, a, a, rest, a Commonwealth wrestling champ. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's he's got some skills, man. And you, the British audience is really starting to pay attention to their boys in wrestling. So I'm I'm, I'm happy with Mike Grundy. Well, let's take a look at some tweets that emerged. Conor McGregor, Max Holloway. Oh boy. Conor McGregor said, McGregor's garden. Now where the fuck are them sunglasses? <laughs> Max Holloway says, LOL, there you are, my brother. Glad you got to relive your best years today in Boston. Now, Max Holloway is saying this because a week after Conor McGregor is stomping out a cell phone in front of like a dozen people. I thought it was like two people, the way that the story emerged. Like a dozen people. He knew his ass was getting arrested. He's out at the Boston Bruins game and at a parade and dropping the puck and all this stuff. Holloway says, if we're talking about the past, remember this. I was 21, you were 25. And then said, this was me at 25 and posted a photo. Uh, Holloway went on a bit of a tangent. (laughs) 
And McGregor said, I took my ACL, shoved it up your ass that night, kid. You don't still have it by any chance. I'm looking for it years. Happy Patty's Day. And uh, it just went back and forth. Like, how much of this can we cover? But, (laughs) I mean, that's a fight that a lot of people would love to see again, James. Yeah, um, they, they got to figure out what's going on with Connor. They got to get him a fight book. We, we need to have something to look forward to with Connor McGregor. Um, and they got to stop know. getting him booked into jail. Yeah, that too. They got to put him in bubble wrap in, in uh, you know, in like an Amish camp or something so he doesn't get in any trouble and, uh, and see, uh, yeah, see, see, see what happens there. But uh, by the way, only time I've ever smiled at anything Brad Marchand did when he did the McGregor strut after he scored that goal for the Bruins, because as a Canucks fan, uh, it's yeah. mandatory to hate uh, Brad Marchand. And I'm sure, Joe, as a Leafs fan, even you can understand Brad Marchand being yeah. uh, a bit of a disaster. So just through that. Joe, your, your thoughts on this? Uh, I don't know, boys. Like, I think if Connor and Max fight, Max whoops his ass. <laughs> I just yeah, feel that. I, I feel like he does. Right? So, uh, Connor, you want to call him out? You want to be that? Max, more than obliged because Max knows that, A, he wants to avenge that loss. Uh, B, you know, he's making the case for, you know, I was a 21, you were 25. Uh, I'm the champ now. This is the belt that you should have had. Let's do this. And come on, guys. The payday that Max Holloway would get would be absolutely astronomical. Any chance anybody you get a fight with Conor McGregor, you sign up for it. You know, I, I do want to see Cowboy fight uh, Conor McGregor, but, you know, if it's going to be Max next or some way, somehow, that fight happens again, I'm down for it as well. I, I Sorry, man. Conor is, is not competing as much as a pro fighter should. I don't care how good you think you are. You still got to get in that cage and compete. And Max is competing, and Max is a bad dude right now, so... Polly Malinagi claims that Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship are planning to offer Conor McGregor a huge amount of money. You buying this? Because I'm not. No, absolutely no. not. They're just trying to get bare knuckle in the news by by saying yeah. that. It's like when it's like when one's like, "We're going to get Conor McGregor." We made an offer to him. It's like, no, you didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they, I don't think they legally can, Joe. Well, yeah. they legally can. There's nothing. There's no. There's nothing. They're no tampering. There are tampering laws. They're, I don't know what kind of tampering laws that would would facilitate in this thing here. Right? They can offer whatever they want. It's just that do we can't accept it. Right, like that's no fair. Yeah, that's yeah. I guess that's a point. Yeah, it's a tampering is when you're looking at you know James talking about the Canucks or or the Leafs or or the Bruins start offering other players deals. It's like whoa, whoa, whoa. there's a there's a PA association here, boys. Can't do this. <laughs> so this weekend there's a couple of shows. Uh, Bellator Sanchez, uh, Emmanuel Sanchez is headlining this show. Uh, we have Linton Vassell on the show. Anatoly Tokov taking on friend of Fightful Gerald Harris. What stands out to you on this, James? Obviously, I'm interested in the Gerald Harris fight, Lenton Vassell. Lenton Vassell will do some pro wrestling one day. That is, I don't know how he won't, James, uh, but w- what stands out to you on this show? Um, I really like the main event. Um, I love that they brought back Georgie Karhakian. Uh, you know, he had some issues with ACB, and I don't know why they ever let him go in the first place, but uh, this is just a, a great, great fight in the main event. Um, I mean, this, this is an okay card again. Like, like you see a lot of times with Bellator, they throw together some fights at the last minute, like Kevin Crooms on here. I don't know if you remember him. He used to fight. in the interview, He was one of my first MMA interviews. Yeah. Yeah. The hard hitting yeah. hillbilly Kevin Croom. 
Yeah, he fought, had a great fight with Matt Bassett actually in CES. If you ever get a chance to watch that yeah. fight, but uh, but yeah, a lot, lot of uh, like Johnny Eblen's on the prelims. I hear a lot of good things about him as a middleweight prospect. But um, yeah, the Gerald Harris fight I'm interested in. I don't know why they keep giving him these Russians. Like get him a like a decent like a like kind of not like Russian a gimme fight, but just, just well, just just give him a fight that he can like he can actually like win. You know, like I don't know. Like I think this is another tough matchup for him. Um, I don't know anything about uh, Norbert Novel Jr. and William Levine. Uh, they got me uh, you know spoofed on that one a little bit. Uh, but yeah, Vassell at heavyweight, I think is going to be awesome. Um, you know, if you watch an interview on Fightful, uh, you know where he talks about just you know the bodies he gets to work with out there. You know, um, Victor Pesta, uh, you know Steve Mowry. Um, you know he's he's in there, and I, I think. You know, he mentioned that the loss to Davis, uh, you know, part of that was the cut. He felt like he, you know, he's cutting too much weight and he's having to diet all the time. And you just see how much happier he is. I mean, he's a pretty positive guy anyways. But um, him at heavyweights, I think, is going to be interesting, especially if you can get by this prospect. And look at the experience here. You know, Linton Vassell, 19-7 and seven record. His opponent only has eight pro fights. That is a huge difference. I know he's got a, a bit of a Sambo background. But, um, yeah, I, I think Vassell beating that ass. Yeah, he's beating that ass good. this weekend. The Gerald Harris thing, I mean, they're throwing him on this show because it's in Oklahoma. He's a Tulsa guy. And, you know, I, I one of my first features I did was on Gerald Harris. I did a long form on Fightful about it. But guy's 39 now, and I, he's he's as good as they as nice as they come. He's a funny dude. He's got his hands dipped in a lot of things. But, I mean, it's a shame that when he was in the UFC 10 years ago, he was 29-30, cut for no reason. World Series of Fighting wouldn't give him a fight. And he was kind of forced to retire. And that was five, six years ago when he was still in his early to mid thirties. It's wild. Uh, but we have UFC Nashville coming up this weekend as well. Some interesting names on this show, Randa Marcos versus Angela Hill. You have Alexis Davis and Jennifer Maya Formiga against Figueredo. You have blades and Willis Thompson and Pettis. What are you most looking forward to on this show, Joe? I want to see what Formiga's got. Definitely want to see what Formiga's got. Obviously with the Canadian, uh, or a couple of Canadians around there with Alexis Davis and Randa Marcos. So I want to see how they're going to do. Uh, we all love Angela Hill, right? Like she's just special. The only criticism one can ever have of Angela Hill is that she just can't generate that power to knock somebody out, right? She just doesn't have, for some reason, doesn't have that frame or physique uh, unless she sits down on her punches. But there's going to be some fun fights here. I just want to see what that flyweight fight and what it's going to actually mean uh, for Formiga or Figueredo and the winner. Right. So I think it's going to be a fun, fast fight, but it does remain to be seen. There's other fights I'm sure we're going to talk about, but oh, yeah. Of those ones there, yeah. Let's hit you guys with a quick betting rundown of some of the, the, the lesser known fights. You have Hawk Paras, the minus 300. He's yes. not, I don't think he's fighting on this card, by the way. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I, oh, I noticed fine. they're still on here. They, uh, according to, like, I think he's injured and uh, McDessie's fighting uh, Jesus Pinedo. That's what uh, that, that was like updated like recently because I heard Hawk Paras was injured. Well, I'd I'd like to throw the double middle fingers to best fight odds. Then I know uh, they they have they haven't updated it, but if you look on Tapology, they they have uh, yeah. McDessie with the new Tapology is fantastic about Tapology that. is amazing. Used by yours truly whenever I do play by play. Yeah, Tapology is they they update fight results like immediately too. Yeah. Uh, shout outs to Tapology. Okay, Eric Shelton a minus one ninety, Jordan Espinosa a plus one sixty five, Chris Gutierrez a minus one seventy five. Uh, Ryan McDonald, a plus 155. You have Frankie Sines, a plus plus 130. Marlon Vera, minus 150. Bobby Moffitt, minus 175. Bryce Mitchell, a plus 155. Uh, of these, what stands out to you, James? Also, you spoke to Ryan McDonald ahead of this fight. 
Yeah, Ryan's uh, been been chomping at the bit to get a UFC call for a while. Uh, Ten and zero, really legit guy. I think this fight's going to be very close with him, and Chris Gutierrez. I do like the fact that Gutierrez has basically moved his entire camp now to Factory X and has really uh, sorted out some things. He talked. To, I actually talked to both of these guys, and Gutierrez, you know, just really uh, kind of mentioned that the personal issues he had going in his de- into his debut. I know he's got some custody stuff going on with his kids, um, so it seems like he has that all behind him. So we're going to see a really good fight in the bantamweight division, two up and comers. This is Random Marcos and Angela Hill fight. I love this matchup these two people hate each other you know hill had uh, called out randa like months ago and of course they have the history on the show where they didn't get along um and and both fighters need to win i mean randa's been you know win loss win loss win loss finally a draw she gets a draw in her last fight um and and hill you know she's been a bit disappointing as well since she's come back from invicta um so the huge huge fight here i'm really intrigued by that one but i actually I, I'm, I'm actually very intrigued by this bobby moffitt and bryce mitchell fight um you know moffitt Look at on Contender Series, look at his debut. I had a bit of controversy with that Chaz Skelly thing. But Bryce Mitchell, this guy, he's a character, but he's pretty talented too. I mean, he's not 10-0 for nothing. Um, looked good, I thought, in his uh, UFC debut. Um, this one can go either way, in my opinion. I think uh, I, I don't think there's a sure uh, bet either way in this one. Actually, what are the odds? Um, yeah, Moffat's a favorite. I think there's some value on Mitchell, to be honest. I think he is really good. So, Also, Angela Hill's a minus 155, Marcos a plus 135. Alexis Davis, a minus 150. You interviewed her uh, as well. Uh, yeah. Jennifer Maya, a plus 130. Joe, what what about the these prelim shows? Actually, you're right, James. It is listed as uh, Pinedo, a plus 265. McDessie, a minus 325. Don't know why they haven't pulled Hawk Parass off those odds. But Joe, any anybody uh, among those fights that stand out? Because I know that I'm very interested in Angela Hill, Randa Marcos, and Alexis Davis, Jennifer Maya, just because... One good year puts you in the title hunt in a women's division. Is Random Marcos at plus 135 one of your I got fives on it? There's some pretty wide lines here. I don't think so. I think Randa is going to be able to take down Angela Hill at will. Really? Yeah. Well, the main card has some very interesting fights. If you guys want to... uh See who the UFC's behind. Macy Barber is one of those. James, you've spoken to her. She's a minus 220 ahead of J.J. Aldrich, plus 180. This is a real good under-the-radar fight that not a lot of people are talking about. But we talked about that Dana White 20-minute interview. This is one of the names he mentioned, Macy Barber. They have her doing reads for promos. That's not something they do for people that they don't like a lot. She's out there saying, I'm going to be Conor McGregor. I'm going to be the next Conor McGregor. And I'm thinking, hold your horses, but the machine (laughs) is behind her. The machine is behind her, James. Well, I think uh, Macy lost that prompter uh, 3027 when she did that ad. Uh, <laughs> very I say this to someone who's I, yes, James. Well, I, 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 I can get I can get away with saying that. Look, I interviewed Macy, I think, three times You're in the span generous. of a week. You're being yeah. generous. You're using the old scoring system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, I. <laughs> I, I am I am intrigued by this matchup though because for for two reasons. Number one, Macy's moving up a weight class. Um, you know she had a tough cut to, to straw weight. Uh, she actually missed weight on the regional scene, so her moving up to twenty five. I still don't fully get her reason about how she's moving up now and then moving back down later. Something about calories. I'm I'm not scientific enough to understand that, but uh, very intriguing fight. But what's really interesting about this matchup is her and Aldrich used to train together a little bit, so maybe there is some some trade secrets there. Uh, you never know. But uh, I mean, I think the UFC knows the value of Macy Barber that she is so young. 
young, you know, she's an attractive girl, markets herself very well. I think there is some potential with her here. So, um, you know, I'm expecting her to win. But again, because this is a new weight class and because Aldrich has more UFC experience, I wouldn't lay the house on Macy Barber like I think I see a lot of people are. I just I'd like to see how she performs in a new weight class first. So there's some real good value on JG Aldrich at plus 180. Real yeah. good. Uh, we also have Luis Pena, minus 280. Steven Peterson, a plus 240. And I mean, my God, I look at that and I'm like, ah, all right. That that, that one's <laughs> a pretty wide line. Because, uh, I mean, Steven Peterson is, gosh, I feel, he's got like, what, 24, 25 fights? Yeah. He's, I think there's a lot of value on Steven Peterson there. But, uh, Joe, we see that. And um, Davis and Figueredo, minus 145. Formiga, plus 125. I think there's some value on Formiga there, too, because Formiga, you throw him in there with almost any flyweight. There's a chance he's going to win. There's also a chance that he's going to completely crap the bed, but he always stands a chance. As is evidenced by your Ray Borg loss uh, on March 11th, 2017. But then Sergio Pettis was technically arguably next in line and Formiga goes and beats him. Right. Uh, and he, you know, he submits Ben Wynn and, and, you know, Loka Sasaki who's now, I think he's with the rising now, but uh, yeah. So he's on a three fight win streak yet. He's the underdog heading into this fight. Take nothing away uh, from, from Davison. He, he's a good, good fighter. Don't get me wrong. He's undefeated. He's 15 and 0. Uh, you know, taking out John Moraga is something special. People are always sleeping on John Moraga, but he did it uh, via TKO. It's, you know, it was back in August at the same time, but that's why I'm saying this is one of my fights of the night, man. This is going to be a fantastic scrap. It remains to be seen. But if you're asking me for value and asking me what I would do, you're damn right. I'd probably, probably, probably yeah. put five on uh, for me, guys. So. Figueredo finishes fights at 125. It's not something that happens a lot. But you look at Formiga's history. Chris Cariasso, Zach Makovsky, Wilson Hayes, Dustin Ortiz, Sergio Pettis, Ben Wynn. He's beaten some really good fighters. He's also lost to some really good fighters. Ian McCall, John Dodson, Joseph Benavidez, Henry Cejudo, Ray Borg. Only people who have competed at the highest level in that division, James. My question is, is Davison Figueredo going to be the next top in that division and what does that even mean what does it even mean <laughs> yeah it could just be a fantasy um, i'm actually going the other way here i like i like formiga in this fight um i, I think this is an opportunity where you know figurejo certainly uh you know finishing john moraga very impressive but you know i look a couple fights back against jared brooks in a fight that i thought he lost and you know i think there are some moments where he has fights where he's not really living up to his potential and you can't get away with that in a veteran uh, against formiga i mean i know formiga you talked about the borg loss but the pettis win looks good I mean, he's been on a roll. Whatever he's been doing the last couple of fights has really been paying off. Um, you know, what is it? Three straight wins, I think, heading into this fight. Um, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been pretty impressed. And you know, to submit Ben Win, I know Ben Win's, uh, you know, in Ryzen now, but still, I mean, he's he's a tough guy. You know, to finish him the way he did, I thought was very impressive. I'm um, going with the upset here. I like Formiga. Curtis Blades a minus two eighty against Justin Willis a plus two forty. This is a real interesting fight because you know, Curtis Blades, a guy that. Again, you talk to James, uh, you talk to him often. How is his mindset after being so close to a title shot and then kind of getting away from that and having to, to reset? 
Well, I, I don't know if it's just experience or what it is. And I, I'm sure you watched the interview already, Sean, but I had never seen Curtis so relaxed in an interview. It seemed like I, I was really getting him at a good time. I don't know if it's the time we did the interview or whatever, but he just seemed in such a good mood and, you know, he's laughing and stuff. And that's just, you know, usually like Curtis is not, you know, he's, he's it's, it, interviews are tough for him and, and for him to sort of come out of his shell. I don't know if that's confidence. I don't know what it is. But the thing I love about this fight is that Alistair Overeem has been working with him this entire camp. Uh, in Denver, I know he worked with him the last fight, but I think that you know, I, I just, I to me, I see this as a bit of a mismatch. I think Blades is that much better than Willis. I realize Willis is on a winning streak, uh, what four zero, I think now. Um, but I just, I to me, I think Blades has sort of that. There, there are things about Blades in his game that makes me think that he can get to a title shot. Whereas with Willis, it's been pretty average. I mean, go even a couple fights back against Chase Sherman. Chase Sherman's a guy he should have finished, and he didn't. And that was a pretty lackluster fight. I know he beat Hunt. But in, in general, I just, you know, I haven't seen too much. And, and I do want to bring up this tweet because I, I noticed this and I know managers talk here, but this is what uh, Curtis's manager tweeted to, uh, to Sean, uh, uh, Sean Bitter, MMA wizard on Twitter. He says, um, you know, because uh, I think Sean had a tweet here saying something about, oh, is anyone putting any money on? Uh, oh, he's saying, oh, I like Justin Willis at plus money. And uh, his manager tweets back and he says, let's just call you crazy, Sean. Dude asked for Curtis and then tried to turn it down for 14 days. I have the text. He's going to go broke. Now, I know that's manager talk, but, you know, if Willis, you know, because he is a bit of an interesting wow. guy, maybe, may, you know, if, if he says there's text and maybe there's some truth to that, that he didn't want this fight, you know, mentally, where is he at? I mean, I don't think, you know, his manager just throws that out there for no reason. So that, that was a bit concerning to read too. But I, of, of a lot of picks on this card, I feel very confident that Curtis Blades is going to get it done. He got caught by Naganu. A lot of guys do. Yeah. I, I don't see Willis doing that here. I'm with you. I think uh, Blades mops the floor with Willis, but there is always that opportunity that a heavyweight connects with another heavyweight on the jaw and they go to sleep. Other than that, I think Blades is, is your winner here. Joe, what do you think? I, I mean, I, I... Someone's going to have to, other than the, the, the one punch knockout that you just said, Sean, or, you know, someone touches someone else's chin at heavyweight, things can change. I, I don't know any other way that Justin Willis can win this fight. I mean, Curtis Blades, in my opinion, is just going to own this fight and determine when it's going to end. He's just that skilled. And I know, uh, you know, Justin went the distance with Mark Hunt, emerged victorious. It wasn't exactly the most exciting fight. Uh, I just know Curtis Blades, uh, you know, like you guys said, you got touched by Ndana, man. I, you get touched by Francis, you, your chances are you're going to sleep. So I, I like Curtis a lot in this fight here. Uh, I'm looking at the rankings. He's number four. Justin's number 10. Uh, I also see Jermaine Durandamy as the number one contender at Bantamweight. That's another story altogether. Uh, but yeah, so Curtis Blades. Main event, Anthony Showtime Pettis moving up to welterweight, a plus 365. Steven Wonderboy Thompson, a minus 460. Now this will be Pettis' first fight at this weight. He has played hokey pokey with his weight for quite a while. I have no clue how he's going to perform, but that line's crazy enough for me to put five on it. Oh, I'm so intrigued by this because Anthony Pettis, he's going to have to be aggressive. He cannot play the stand outside and kick away game. He can't do that. And if, if he thinks he can, he's not going to do it better than Wonderboy Thompson. So to me, the question is, Joe, what will be Pettis' game plan going into this fight? Stick and move. Stick and move. Oh. And I know. It's not going to be easy. Talking about a guy who can use his feet in Steven Thompson like a jab. Right? So it's going to be a very difficult scenario. The other option is clinch. Use your submission game because he does have a fantastic submission game. Uh, you know, Take away the space from Thompson. You may have to eat one or two to get it. Take away the space. Get that clinch up against the cage. Work your hand positioning, work your head positioning, grab a takedown, grab a trip, and start controlling your opponent. 
early in the round. That way you have time to look for that submission. Uh, like you said, at this weight, we don't know how he's going to perform against the number three fighter in the world. So, uh, you know, I'm leaning towards Stephen Thompson in this fight because if, if for whatever reason Pettis can't get that takedown, there's a big, I think there's a pretty big reach advantage here too. So uh, I'm leaning towards Thompson in this fight. James, your thoughts? The value for sure on this fight is on Pettis. I mean, the line is crazy. Like to me, you could almost argue that Thompson is getting worse. I mean, that that fight against Darren Till, um, you know, I thought he won, but it still wasn't a great fight in, in, in his regard. And we've seen fights like that where he just, you know, he doesn't end up living up to it. Now saying that he does have that win over Masvidal, which I think looks even better now. Um, but it's concerning that he has that, you know, the layoff. He hasn't fought since May. Pettis has been a little bit more active than he has. Um, you know, we'll see as far as the reach, I was looking this up myself cause I was curious about that. So Thompson is six feet tall, 75 inch reach Pettis, five ten, seventy two inch reach. So not a huge difference, but I mean, you never know. I, Pettis might actually perform better cause I think he does cut a lot of weight in general. Uh, we'll see what happens there. I think Thompson probably wins. Cause again, you got to go with the guy who's been at the weight class more, you know, fought, you know, the, the who's who in that division, really. I mean, Thompson's never, I mean, his last couple of fights, he's fought nothing but killers. Um, and Pettis, I mean, he's, you know, is, is you know has the win over Chiesa, but he's not a lightweight. Jim Miller, Oliveira, like it's tough to say. It, th- that's why I actually kind of like this fight. I remember when it was first announced, I was like, this is a stupid matchup. Like first <laughs> off, like Pettis doesn't deserve this fight and whatever. But now that I think about it, I'm kind of intrigued because we have no idea, like Sean said, how Pettis is going to look at 170. So if there's value in this fight, it absolutely is on Pettis. We could see a, an upset here, but I have a feeling Thompson's probably just going to end out a decision here and, and get it done and get back on the track and get back in the mix. I mean, when was the last time we talked about Steven Thompson in a fight? He's just been out for so long, had a tough time getting opponents. So I think Thompson takes it by decision. All the pressure's on him too, because if, if Pettis wins, what does that mean for the one for the 170-pound rankings? You just took out yep. number three. You're not even ranked in the division. Yeah, and no. Thompson being that high is wild to me. He has one win in his last four fights. He has one win since July of 2016. Uh, granted, that Masvidal win looks a lot better this week than it did last week. We will have full live coverage and discussion. We have uh, pickums, all kinds of stuff for uh, UFC Nashville. But now we're going to do the UFC Nashville. I got five on it picks. These are betting flyers. If you got five extra bucks, throw it down. Uh, I've hit two out of three each of the last two weeks. Should have been three out of three this <laughs> week. John McDessey uh, and Jesus Pinedo. When Pinedo uh, opened it at plus two sixty five, boy, that was that was wild to me because McDessey swings from a plus two fifty in his fight with Hakparas to a minus three twenty five against Pinedo in a short notice fight. A sort of short notice. Pinedo's opponent uh, ended up getting pulled as well, so he's prepared. Uh, I'm going to go with Pinedo there at plus two sixty five. Anthony Showtime Pettis at 365 plus or plus 365. Thompson at minus 460. The element of the unknown and, quite frankly, the, the possibility to this one is just a boring, drawn out jab, jab, kick fight that the judges will look at and go, oh, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. And maybe, maybe that causes a little bit of confusion. It gives me the the idea that Sergio or not Sergio Pettis, Anthony Pettis rather has some real value at plus three sixty five. Also, Stephen Peterson at plus two forty against Luis Pena minus two eighty. I think there's some value there. Peterson is very very experienced, has wins under his belt in the UFC. But uh, check out our UFC Nashville live coverage this weekend. 
Joe, what do you got going on? Same old, same old, man. Work, work, work. Paying attention to some of these stories. Trying to get a hold of Kamaro. See what Kamaro's doing. Uh, but yeah, other than that, same old, same old. James, how about you? Uh, you know, just lots of interviews, lots of stuff coming up. Um, you know, just keeping busy. Uh, like I mentioned, the interviews on there. Curtis Blades. We also got one with Macy Barber and Alexis Davis and Randa Marcos and John McDessie when he was fighting Hack, uh, Hack Prest. And uh, yeah, Ryan McDonald this week too. So check that out, guys. Appreciate the support. It's so good to be back, even though Joe was really hard on me today, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Lots of stuff over there. Also, uh, some of James's pro wrestling scoops end up on Select before they end up on FightfulWrestling.com. Check it out there. Leave us a thumbs up. Fightful, subscribe. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.